just saying, okay, body, brain, I hear you. (laughs) I hear that alarm going off. Mm, So let's figure out what's the next small thing that you need to start feeling safer. Welcome to More Than Small Talk. We're Susie Eller, Jennifer Watson, and Holly Gerth, writers and real life friends. We're inviting you to go deeper, become freer, and feel more connected. So imagine you have a cup of coffee, a mug of tea, or a green smoothie in your hand, and we're all hanging out in your favorite place together. Hey, More Than Small Talk friends, we're glad to be back with you. And this week we are tackling a topic that is common to many of us, anxiety. So maybe you've never struggled with anxiety in the last two years. All of a sudden (laughs) you are, or maybe anxiety has been a lifelong companion to you as it has for Jennifer and I, and you're looking for new tools and insights to help you with that. Either way, we hope our conversation today will be helpful to you. Yeah. You know, I remember several conversations back, just us hanging out somewhere eating nachos. And I said to both of you, I said, you know, anxiety has never been my thing. But lately, I've had some anxious thoughts. Yeah. And it was, you know, that was new to me. It doesn't mean that I hadn't ever faced anxious thoughts But they became more pronounced. They became something that I was aware of. Yeah. You know, and so the confession question that we have today are what are your anxiety triggers? Hmm. (laughs) I mean, like, how long do we have? Uh, I think when I'm overextended and when I find myself saying yes to everything or feeling like it's my job to fix someone or a circumstance That's when I feel like my anxious thoughts get away from me. I think that there's a lot that we can worry about, and I've had to learn how to turn that off. It's different in different seasons of my life where I feel like, you know, that things are changing. So I think, you know, big changes in my life are a huge anxiety trigger as well. You know, I remember, Jennifer, when we were in the midst of the pandemic, and we kind of still are, we're just acting like It's not there anymore. I remember that life slowed really, really way down Mm -hmm. for most of us. And and I remember us all saying, well, we're not going to go back to that. Mm -hmm. Has that held true for either of you? Like, are you completely slowed down still or? No, No, but I really liked it. I mean, not that everybody was getting sick and there was so much um, chaos sure. surrounded to that, but sure. the slower pace, yeah. I did not realize how desperately I needed to slow down yeah. and hit pause and being forced to stay home was not horrible for me. Yeah, You know, my calendar was littered with all of these extra things. And so what I said to myself is I'm not going to add the extras anymore. Like I'm not going to go back and overextend myself. And I, I think, you know, when it comes to work or different things like that, but as far as like keeping my schedule completely filled, I don't do that anymore. Yeah. Okay. Because that's what I hear you saying is that the anxiety comes when you feel pulled in a hundred different directions with people's expectations and kind of through the pandemic, you learned what to say yes to and what to mm-hmm. say no to. Kind yeah. of. It, is that right? Yeah, yeah. And I had one of these like aha moments where I um, 
for the longest time in my life, I was listening to what I thought everybody's expectations were of me. And I had this moment like driving home after uh, dropping Whitley off at college. And I was like, I can't be listening to the voice of the critics. Like in this moment, I'm going to sit here and listen to my pain. Yeah. And that like changed everything. Like, why am I adding all of these things that put pressure on me instead of listening to the pain and the ache that that causes when I'm overextended or I'm pushing too hard? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's helpful to know there are two kinds of anxiety triggers. One is external, like too much Mm -hmm. on my calendar, too much on my to-do list. Yeah. An actual threat in our environment, like a pandemic (laughs) or, you know, political unrest. And then there are internal anxiety triggers like expectations, Mm -hmm. our inner critic, you know, things that come from the inside. And usually when we feel anxiety, it's a combination of both. An external trigger meets an internal trigger. So I have too much on my to-do list and I'm afraid I'm going to let people down. Okay. And so you can ask yourself what external trigger is happening right now and what internal trigger is happening right now. Yeah. And those are two places we can start saying, okay, how do I diffuse that? Externally, it may be, all right, I need to schedule some solitude or rest or downtime. Internally, it may be, all right, I'm listening to a lie that if I disappoint anyone, I com- I'm a complete failure. And yeah. that's not true. And so the truth is my worth doesn't come from my work. That's something I have to tell myself a lot. And so... I think my anxiety triggers tend to be some that we've talked about externally. I have social anxiety. Like if you gave me a questionnaire in a counseling office, I would score like with diagnosable Mm -hmm. social anxiety. So, for example, things like ordering a pizza via the phone are terrifying in in an irrational way for me. Like, you know, and it feels a little ridiculous to even say that on the air, but it's true. And so... For me, social situations are often my biggest trigger, even though I love people like I love people. I need them in my life, especially like having deep, meaningful connection. But I get anxious when I have to do spontaneous small talk. I'm in a social situation where I don't know what's required of me when I'm on the phone and I can't rely on like physically reading someone else's body language or getting to connect with them. And so externally, that's a trigger for me. Internally, it's expectations. I'm not going to say the right thing or do the right thing, or I'm going to disappoint someone. So I think those tend to be where a lot of my anxiety comes from. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so powerful though, because when we know what we know, you know, when we can, we can put a name on it and say, Externally, this is what's happening right now. And internally, this is what it's causing. I think it gives us tools. Yeah. You know, I went I went on a boat the other day, which was water's my love language. <laughs> it just is. It it makes me happy. And we rented a boat so that all of my grandkids and kids, we could get on this big pontoon boat and we could go out. This is a very rare thing. And it was so fun and the day was perfect and we were tubing and I have bruises to show, (laughs) (laughs) I have badges of honor from tubing. But at one point, the kids got really tired. So I'm going to tell you a trigger that I have. A trigger that I have is when we're having a good time and people are human and they get tired and cranky, you know, <laughs> yeah. because there's something inside of me 
that I just always want everybody to to just have the best time ever. It's it's honestly mm. it's an unrealistic expectation, mm-hmm. and it's something that I'm aware of in myself. So in that moment, I looked over and I had a couple of littles that they were just done. They were tired. And so they were they were being cranky. They were being cranky with each other. And I took a deep breath and I looked around and I looked over at my daughter. And she was beautiful. She was just handling it with her child so well in that moment. And it was sweet to watch. And I looked over at a son-in-law who all he wanted to do, he was so excited because we had seen some fish on the top of the water, you know, just, and, and he was so excited. And I thought, I have the opportunity right now to completely focus on a couple of cranky little ones <laughs> who I love with all my heart, or I can look around and see the beauty of what I'm in and understand that. You can have both end. Yes. You know what I'm good. saying? Mm-hmm. And and it was, it, I had to center myself. Yeah. Now, this is not something <laughs> that I knew a long time ago. I wish I had. Because used to, I would be like, oh, come on, guys. We're having a good time. Look at the water. We're tubing. This is fun. You should, and, and I would have put my unrealistic expectations on everybody around me. Yeah. So I'm just laying my guts out yeah. there. Like yeah. that's, that was, that's my battle. It causes anxiousness in me when we're trying really hard to have a great time. And then people are human, including well. myself. <laughs> and biologically anxiety occurs when our brains label something in our environment as a threat. Yeah. And so for you, people not having a good time was a threat because you value that. Yeah. And it meant there was a risk of social rejection. Yeah. You know, and so our brains label social rejection the same as a tiger. (laughs) Like they don't differentiate. I love that. And so just (laughs) even knowing in my mind, all right, my threat detection system has gone off. Yeah. There is something here that I can pay attention to. Yeah. And then I can use a different part of my brain, not my amygdala, which is in charge of threat, fight or flight, you know, stranger, danger, all those things. (laughs) But it's not great at analysis. (laughs) Right. It's great at action, but not analysis. But we have the front part of our brain that we can hand it over to then and say, hey, what do you think about this? Which is what you did. Yeah. And you're like, okay, it's not great to have cranky children in a boat. (laughs) But there is a bigger picture here. Absolutely. And we're okay. Like you, you were able to tell yourself we're okay. Yeah. And And then the anxiety starts. And it's not my job to fix this right now. Yeah. It's my job to give us all grace to be human, including myself. And I think the threat wasn't that I thought the cranky kids were going to mess stuff up. I thought I was going to mess yeah. it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I thought I was going to mess it up. I thought I was going to get like my expect pull out my expectations and, and all of that. And I love that. Like you say that I can put a part of my brain in timeout. For it's basically. Yeah. <laughs> And just say, okay, hey, buddy, you're going to have to go over here for a bit because I want to see the bigger picture here. Mm -hmm. And it really did allow me to find the joy of the moment and also to embrace the humanness that we all are um, and and allow messiness. And messiness can be beautiful, too. Yeah, it can. Yeah. Yeah. 
And sometimes that part of us, our amygdala, doesn't cooperate, you know? Yeah. And that's when it's totally okay to seek counseling, to talk to our doctor, to get some help. Because there are moments in our lives where we can get ourselves out of anxiety. And there are moments when we're stuck in anxiety. And that's when we can feel a lot of guilt, I think, especially as believers. But just knowing, like, there's a brain-body component to that. I like to say there's a difference between biological anxiety and biblical anxiety. Mm. Biological anxiety is the physical response you're having in the moment, which may feel like a racing heart. You're mm-hmm. sweating. Your your thoughts are feel like they're spinning. There's a physical component to that. So yeah. when we hear don't be anxious in scripture, that's I don't think what it's talking about. It's talking about the mental part of it where We get to say what we do next. And again, we can get stuck in those thoughts and get help for that. But I think that anxiety from a biblical perspective is saying, I'm going to completely turn myself over to fear. And of course, that's not what God wants for us. And that's not what we want for us. Like none of us would say every day, I want to give myself over completely to my fear. And so... I think we need to know that so we can be gentle and give ourselves grace, not be like, oh, I'm not supposed to be anxious and I'm anxious. Like in human terms, we are going to be anxious biologically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't have to stay stuck in fear, which is really good news, not it a reason is. that we're in trouble. You yeah. know, I, you know, and I feel like that there are a vast number of women. Some of you who are listening right now, you have been told that. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious for, you know, for anything. And and so when you do struggle, you feel condemnation. And man, I, that's, I don't believe that's what God no. ever expected yeah. for his beautiful daughters, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. I, I think just normalizing that. And I think that I wouldn't know the symptoms of anxiety if I haven't experienced them. And so when I have have an anxious little girl and... When her stomach starts hurting, I'm like, you know, like this is anxiety. She's in a yeah. situation that's really hard. She's taking a test. She's looking for the exit sign as soon as possible. Like she just needs to get out of that situation. And um, having that gentle cushion and just saying, this is normal. So how can we learn to like, like struggle forward in it? How can we learn to, you know, understand our anxiety with, without letting it take us under? And that's a journey. Yeah. yeah. It really is. And I found, too, that people who tend to experience biological anxiety also have some unique strengths. So we have a hypersensitive threat detection system, basically, like a car alarm that goes off. Some car alarms, you walk by and they go beep, beep, like, you know, and some yeah. you would have to like beat the windshield in with a baseball bat. <laughs> well, our threat detection systems have similar levels. And so those of us who have high threat detection systems also tend to be really good at things like reading other people, mm-hmm. empathy. Being a lot of us become counselors or creators, roles like that, because the flip side of anxiety when we're operating out of that system and a strength is we are highly in tune with other people or with details in a particular field we're good at, like we notice a lot. And so that was really helpful to find, too, that overall People who lean toward anxiety also score really high on things like social and emotional intelligence. Yeah. 
And so that it's a pain that it's a struggle, but it does also come with some strengths. So I think that we can lean into that as well. I love that. You know, I, I feel like the conversations over the past three years and crazy that we've been doing this for over yeah. three years now mm-hmm. have really helped me love people in my life a lot better mm-hmm. because it, when I see and I can think to myself, okay, for this loved one right now, there's a tiger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. There's a tiger. And so am I going to rile that tiger up or am I going to be a help and an advocate, not by trying to fix anything, but just by understanding? Yeah. You know, that's such a great question. Like, what's the invisible tiger in the room right now? Yeah. If it's another person, or what's the invisible tiger in my brain right now? If it's yeah. you, yeah. You know? And knowing, like, when someone is anxious, whether it's someone else or us, it's because we feel unsafe in some way. Yeah. So, like, you're saying, if it's someone you love who's yeah. anxious, like you were saying, Jennifer, mm-hmm. it's how can I help this person feel safe? Yes. And if it's us, it's asking, what do I need to feel safe? Yeah. And not shaming ourselves for that or dismissing it or saying I shouldn't need that or other people don't. Just saying, okay, body, brain, I hear you. (laughs) I hear that alarm going off. Mm -hmm. It does not make sense to me. But for whatever reason, it's valid to you. Right. So let's figure out what's the next small thing that you need to start feeling safer. Yeah. I think that's powerful. You know, just building on that, what is one thing that you do that makes you less anxious? Like, is there something that you do that calms you down? Is there something that, you know, like journaling, maybe going for a walk? Yeah. What is it that helps you when you're in that moment and you need a break? I would say there's two types. One is like in the moment when I'm like, oh, I'm anxious. And what helps me most in that is actually being able to welcome my anxiety without condemnation, like we've been talking about. That's so stinking powerful. (laughs) Because what happens when we don't is we get anxious about being anxious. Yeah, Like we start saying, I need to stop feeling this way right now. And that like your body's like, you are not hearing me. Right. <laughs> there is a threat and we're going to <laughs> nuclear now like your system will keep ramping it up until it feels like you are going to take action to yeah. deal with the anxiety and so it actually doesn't work to say don't be anxious mm-hmm. right but if you can take a deep breath and say okay here it is we're okay i'm listening what do we do next mm-hmm. yeah. and then taking a small action so like Going to hide in the bathroom sometimes is all mm-hmm. it takes. You know, mm-hmm. I need to go somewhere quiet and take three deep breaths. Or yeah. I need to tell someone, hey, I'm feeling nervous at this event. Like, are, are you, you know, saying it out loud, I think? Of yeah. course, praying, just saying like, Jesus, I'm scared right now. Like, can you help me yeah. out? Mm-hmm. And then I think the other kind is like rhythms in my life that I need. So I need to move my body. Walking especially helps outside. Mm-hmm. I need good sleep. I need to eat. At least decently. Yeah. <laughs> um, I need supportive people. And in se- certain seasons, I need official help, like to go to counseling, to talk to my doctor, to get that kind of support. So yeah. I think we need strategies for in the moment. And then we need rhythms in our lives that help us keep that system on the strength side rather than moving into the struggle side. Yeah, that's really good. You know, I, 
I remember sitting with my husband one time and him just grounding me in the sense that he was just like, okay, Suze, where are we right now? Yeah. What's really happening right now? You know, and it helped me move from my brain to where I really was and join the two. Because yeah. sometimes, sometimes my, well, my brain never stops moving, ever. I, I think that's the dreamer part of me. Um, it's hard to shut it down when it's time to sleep and my body needs rest. Yeah. And there's times that I have to ground and pull myself away from my what's going on in my head to what's going on right where I'm at. And, and I don't know if that makes sense. Totally. But it's yeah. really helpful for me to be able to say, this is really what's in front of me. Yeah. This is really where I'm at. This is really who I'm surrounded by. Yeah. This is really who I am. Yeah. yeah. And that's actually a great technique is to go through all your senses. Like, what do I see right now? What do I hear? Mm-hmm. What can I touch? Mm-hmm. What can I taste? You know, going through all our senses grounds us physically. And then like you were saying, then hopefully that gets us to a place where we can start grounding ourselves again spiritually, like saying, what is yeah. the truth in this moment? Who does God say I am? What does he tell me is, you know, I can rely on no matter what happens. So that's actually a great, great strategy. Yeah. So, how about you, Jennifer? Yeah, I I think in long seasons where it's not just a day of feeling anxiety, but months, um, talk therapy is a really big deal for me. Also, scheduling in time for relaxing, whether that's taking a walk and listening to music, which really helps me kind of shift my um, thought process and what I'm thinking about and really energizes me. And then another thing that I do is I love taking hot baths. There's certain things that relax me. And so when I'm overwhelmed, I'll pick those things like 20 minutes just, you know, to tend to myself that day. And it really works for me. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, Holly, you have a resource for us. This is this is like a love language for you, I think. You know, the study of this, being able to take what you've lived as well as what you've learned, and to be able to share that with others. Can you tell us about this amazing new resource that you have? I have a little devotional book coming out soon called What Your Mind Needs for Anxious Moments. It's a 60-day devotional. And I went through scripture from Genesis to Revelation and looked for people who were anxious. (laughs) And there are a lot. And so I said, how did this person handle this? Yeah. And this anxiety provoking situation. And thankfully, like Old Testament, a lot of time the threat was like, you're about to die. So thankfully, (laughs) a lot of ours aren't that extreme. But just looking at like some people handled it really well and I learned from them and some people did not handle it well at all. And I learned from them. Yeah. And so pairing that with the brain science we've been talking about, with biblical truth, with insights, I've learned all of that in one package for people I'm excited to put out there. So it's what your mind needs for anxious moments. And you can find it at my site, hollygirth.com slash anxiety. And that's it for today's episode. Thanks for going deeper, becoming freer and connecting with us. More Than Small Talk is a part of the KLRC podcast network and is produced by Kara Culver. Show notes and resources are available on the More Than Small Talk page on klrc.com. You can also join us in our Facebook group. Subscribe to More Than Small Talk on your favorite app so you won't ever miss an episode.